Hello, welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja, and today I'll briefly talk about some of the usual criticisms that are offered about postcolonialism and postcolonial studies. And the danger in these criticisms is that they are not really very well informed and they rely on kind of a faulty logic or misplaced assumptions. And I thought it's important to kind of clarify some of these things so that you can better use postcolonial theory and postcolonial literary scholarship for your work. So one of the main critiques that I hear often from mostly not very informed sources, but sometimes from scholars, is about postcolonialism being too culturalist, which means that it mostly relies on issues of culture and doesn't necessarily dwell on class and class hierarchies and class conflict. So while most of the major critics could be considered culturalist. It goes without saying that there are post-colonial critics who do use Marxism. Even Gayatri Spivak, right, the so-called post-structuralist deconstructionist, her major essays that you've read, even Can the Subaltern Speak, rely heavily on a Marxist understanding of class and a Marxist explanation of class and the global division of labor, right? And then if you go beyond that, people like Robert Young, right, who obviously is a Marxist scholar and wrote a monumental book on Marxism, on, sorry, post-colonialism. Even Saeed admits part of his Marxist leanings when he refers to Antonio Gramsci, right, in one of his famous interviews and how he uses some of Gramscian concepts in his writing. So I think that uh, argument that somehow post-colonialism is purely culturalist uh, falls by the wayside. Another argument that's offered kind of uh, from the side is that decolonial studies is actually more revolutionary than post-colonial studies, right? because post-colonial studies is too institutionalized, too Eurocentric, too much part of the Western Academy. But what we need to keep in mind is that post-colonial studies, part of its repertoire is decolonial studies, right? After all, those of us who use Fanon, who use um, scholars from the non-Western traditions, and we still call ourselves post-colonialists, are doing that. But more importantly, in my opinion, as a scholar of post-colonialism, the most productive place, as Baba teaches us, is not necessarily here on one extreme or there in a, in a nativist hiding place or in a totally Eurocentric view of looking at the world, but rather bringing these strains, sometimes in conflict, or sometimes face to face so that we can create new thought. 
And so any kind of purest thought, right or left, then is a threat to that possibility. Another thing that I've often heard uh, from some of my friends even is that post-colonialism wrongly assumes that colonialism is over. I guess they just know the term post-colonialism and assume that that's what it means. But I always point it out to people, find me one scholar of colonialism or post-colonialism who asserts that colonialism in all its forms have ended and we are now in a post-colonial world. No one says that. What we do acknowledge that post-colonialism itself is an imperfect term. And if you have read the early essays that came out, like Anne McClintock, Hela Schwatt, and others, I have lectures on them, you already know that the reason post-colonialism as a term caught on and eventually became a subfield of study was because it was safe. You could use it to create curriculum instead of anti-imperialist discourse and all that. But nowhere did anyone in post-colonial studies ever assume that colonialism was over, even if physical occupation ended, and which has not ended in so many cases, Palestine, Kashmir, and so many other places. Even as physical colonization of spaces ended, there is always, always imperial influence of global powers, which is still evident everywhere in the world. So there is, in my opinion, no scholar of post-colonialism who works with the basic premise that colonialism has ended and we are just gonna talk about the end of colonialism. Also keep in mind that post-colonial studies includes within its area of study or topics of study, the pre-colonial retrieval of histories. The histories and literatures produced during the colonial phase and then in the post-colonial phase. How have people dealt with it, imagined it, and thought about it? We teach that, we talk about it. Then within those histories, we also distinguish between the dominant national histories of post-colonial nation states and what the subaltern groups have produced. I mean, if you look at the production of subaltern studies group in India, I mean, they have produced, produced about 10 volumes of these texts, right? Now, granted, these texts are retrieved by bourgeois intellectuals, right? By middle-class intellectuals, but at least they are being retrieved, articulated and represented and published in solidarity with the people, with the subaltern groups. So overall then, you know, beyond this, there are certain naive critiques, right? Where anyone who works in the Western Academy is considered somehow a sellout, right? Because they have decided not to live in their own home country, right? Or in their own native country and have taken up these positions in the Western Academy. R.F. Derlich was the one who wrote a famous essay about it, right? But here is the deal. Not every one of us who works in the Western Academy is co-opted or is a foundation in, foundational intellectual. I mean, think of it. Pretty much anyone who does post-colonial studies 
has some radical progressive leanings. And the work that we do is really important in cultural terms. Even if, you know, we are not given full agency, we at least have changed what is offered in English departments. We have changed how literature is read, how it is viewed, how it is talked about, right? And I think that is a great contribution of post-colonial scholars and post-colonial studies as a field. Now, these are some of the things that I think of off the cuff. And then there are certain assumptions about post-colonial studies, not necessarily critiques. And those are, in my view, not very well-informed assumptions. For example, some people think post-colonialism is a monolithic theory. So anytime I hear someone say, I'm going to apply post-colonialism for my dissertation, you know, I want to stop them and say, no, specify which theorist, whose work, Marxist post-colonialism, eco-critical post-colonialism, feminist post-colonialism, right, historicist post-colonialism, because it's not a monolithic field. It's a combination of different strains of philosophy and knowledge that people use for certain specific purposes. And those purposes are to critique power, to critique what happened during the 19th and 20th century colonialism, but not just represent the natives as passive recipients of the colonial aggression, also account for their acts of resistance semiotic or material resistance. All of that forms part of post-colonial studies. So let's say if you decide to use post-colonialism or post-colonial theory or, or attempt to specialize in it, please keep in mind that, yeah, there is a body of literature that you have to be aware of. There, there are texts, primary and secondary, that you need to read to understand the field, right? On, in a broader sense. But then what you do with that knowledge, as long as you are challenging the dominant paradigms of the West or within the nation states where you exist, where you live yourself, in one way or the other, you are doing post-colonial studies. And you can use post-colonial theory to write about those things. But do not assume that it's a monolithic body of literature with one message or one way of doing things, right? And before you buy into these thin critiques of post-colonialism being too Eurocentric, uh, being too much committed to theory or not being Marxist enough, I would encourage you to explore a little more. And I can promise you that you will always find scholars, intellectuals, teachers of post-colonial studies who are all doing different and innovative things. One important thing to keep in mind is that post-colonialism is one of the most hybrid subfields of English studies and, and it is shameless in appropriating any knowledge that it can use. We have no qualms about using Marx. We have no qualms about using Sinor, right? We have no problem in mobilizing Gandhi's work. We have no problem in reading Samir Amin, Amartya Sen, anyone. 
We are not region bound in where we draw from and we are not discipline bound. We, we can draw knowledge from economics, we can draw knowledge from sociology, from history, from political science, from political geography, because all of these knowledges we mobilize in one way or the other to argue for the rights of those who may not be part of the dominant groups in the world, who might be on the periphery of whatever constitutes the center so-called of power at any given time in the world or at any given time within a national space. These are all the things that we try to do in post-colonial studies. Now I acknowledge, I mean, it's not a perfect field of study, but no field of study is perfect or neatly tucked and, you know, bow-tied, no. It has its loose ends, and I think that's our job as scholars and your job as emerging scholars to tease those things out. But what I'm trying to suggest is that if you have an opinion about post-colonialism, positive or negative, just read carefully so that you can account for where those opinions are coming from and you have something to back those opinions up. Right? Otherwise, you, me, and everyone else, if we think about post-colonial studies unreflectively, simply after having watched a few videos, chances are we will not have a deeper understanding of the field and its debates and its struggles. Right? And we will very easily fall prey to, you know, simplified ways of thinking about it. I mean, let me give you an example. The other day I was watching a leftist panel. Great. These were young, progressive leftists talking about the world and how power works, how U.S. foreign policy works. And there were two scholars or activists who do what is called uh, political psychology, post-colonial psychology. And they asserted that uh, one problem with post-colonial studies is that no one is studying the psychology of colonization. Now, if you and me watch that uncritically, we were like, oh man, this is another flaw in post-colonial studies. But to assert that is preposterous. We have phenomenon. We have Octave Manoni. We have works by Césaire on colonialism, right? We have people who have drawn on the works of Freud, right? All of this, what happens to the psyche of the colonized, what happens to the psyche of the colonizer, Albert Memmi's work, right? The colonizer and the colonized. All of these works draw on the knowledge of psychoanalysis and psychology, right? And we always account for the psychological impact of colonial encounter. I mean, think of it, when Spivak talks about worlding of the world, what is she relying on? Cathectation, which comes from psychoanalysis. What is cathectation? Cathectation is when the native, while working with the European masters, internalizes and aligns themselves with the point of view of their masters and comes to see their own land from the perspective of their masters. That act of seeing the world from the perspective of their masters is what Spivak calls the worlding of the world. 
So I hope these examples clarify a little bit as to why I am skeptical about some of the critiques of post-colonial studies, right? I, I, I would always, you know, admit that the valid critiques may be about being, it being too esoteric, it being not very accessible. Um, I absolutely agree with those critiques. But to imagine post-colonialism as a certain thing and then impugn onto it certain failures and weaknesses, I think it is unfair and it doesn't do justice to those who might be entering the field of post-colonial studies as young scholars. And it can be sometimes disheartening and very misleading. So I hope these few words on this highly complex and contested topic are of some use to you. I do highly recommend that anyone who's interested in post-colonial studies should at least read, you know, Robert Young's big book on post-colonialism or Ania Lumba's book on post-colonialism because it makes sense of of the field of study as it emerges and establishes itself. I have a whole list of webinars on post-colonialism. I think there are about 10 lectures in it. I'll post the link in the description. I highly recommend that you should watch those and maybe those could be useful to you as well. So that's all from me today. I hope you all are doing well and taking care of each other. Please continue to do so. I hope you're staying safe. I will now see you next time. Until then, as always, from me to you, peace and love.